When I was in college, I decided with my roommates that it would be a good idea to bike from Berkeley to Tahoe, totally unsupported. So we strapped a sleeping bag on the back of our bikes, brought some extra tubes, a patch kit for flats, one wrench and three Allen keys, and a pump, and we were off heading east. Now the first day we got two flats, but we were totally prepared for it. And by sunset, we finally got out of the bay and we ended up at a farm. And so we rolled our bikes into the fields, hit our bikes, because we weren't supposed to be on the farm, and we went to sleep under the stars. And we woke up at sunrise with 100 miles in front of us to get from there to Auburn the next day, totally flat. And about 40 miles in along the river, I heard this snap, and my seat went down. We pulled over, we look, and the bolt, the little screw at the back of the seat post, had snapped in half. Now, none of us had prepared to bring an extra screw in case it snapped in the middle of a ride. And so we sat there looking, and it didn't seem like we had very good options. The first option was quit, figure out our way back to the Bay Area, even though there's no smartphones, no Uber, we're not sure how we would have done this. Second one is bike the remaining 60 miles, but standing up out of the seat. Oi. The third one was like somehow hitchhike to find a person who would take me the way I looked and my bike for the next 60 miles to Auburn to the next bike shop. None of these options were good. And then finally we slowed down, we sat back and we looked at the bike and we said, okay, what do we have here? And we looked at the very back brake and amazingly enough, the bolt holding the back brake on was the exact same size as the seat post. And I didn't really need my back brake because it was flat for the next 60 miles. So we took it apart, fixed my seat post and made it to Auburn. There are times when you plan and you dream and you think you're prepared to reach your destination until you suddenly and unexpectedly, you can't. And you feel thwarted. But when we slow down and we are creative enough, what can appear hopeless may actually contain all we need to have a path towards success. It just takes creativity. This has been quite a week for America and for Israel. In America, we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, and for the very first time, Israel was directly attacked by Iran. Now, both of these actions have the potential to change the world fundamentally from how we know it. The mass majority of America does not desire for Iran to have a nuclear weapon. The disagreement between those for the deal and those against the Iran nuclear deal formed under Obama was never about if Iran should be prevented from having a nuclear weapon. All of Congress, they agreed on that. The disagreement was on the method to get there. And Israel does not desire to be directly attacked, especially by Iran, who's publicly called for her destruction. Now, either of these events, they seemingly change the landscape we thought we once knew. These moments, they had similar sounds to the snapping of that seat post as we sunk down and then we felt stuck. And the question that I keep coming to is what does Judaism do when we are presented with a stark new reality and a future we're fearful of and we do not want? Because this is not the first time that what we thought we knew no longer is and we have to respond to our seemingly new reality. Now, from what I can see from this week's Parsha, 
it tries to create a thought experiment that addresses exactly that. On paper, it creates a new reality which is abhorrent to what we want. And I think this is done for the purpose of teaching us how to engage in a world where we see a future we do not want, and then we have to learn how to respond to it. In this week's Parsha, Bahar Bukotai, we have one of the more revolutionary moments in the entire Torah. Now, most would think when I make a claim like that, that I may be talking about a juicy family conflict in Genesis or a transcendent moment found in Exodus. But I would argue that what this week's Parsha creates, a policy change that is more revolutionary for people's lives than almost anything else found in the entire Torah. This week, we read about the sabbatical year, where we let our fields rest, and then there's the granddaddy of them all, the Yovel, the Jubilee year, a moment which happens only once every 50 years, where a reset button is pressed, and everything economically starts over. Now, someone argue, how could I claim that an economic reset is the most revolutionary thing that the Torah does? I can imagine my Orthodox friends saying to me, Ryan, are you really going to get up on the pulpit and claim that economics are more revolutionary than the concept of a singular God? And I would say yes. If you look at the 1943 paper written by Abraham Maslow, A Theory of Human Motivation, he ranks our human needs in the form of a hierarchy. The base of his pyramid is physiological and then safety. And then as we move up, we go to belonging and love, esteem, and finally self-actualization and self-transcendence. He argues that each need is built on the need that came before. Without physiological needs being cared for, a person cannot feel safe. And if a person does not feel safe, they cannot feel as if they belong. And if you don't feel as if you belong, you definitely won't feel loved. And if you don't feel loved, you will lack self-esteem. And without self-esteem you cannot become self-actualized and then experience transcendence. And I think of transcendence and self-actualization as seeing that we're not separate from God, but that we're actually part of God. And one can only get to the peak of that pyramid when everything else is cared for. But if I pull the rug out of Maslow's pyramid and take away people's physiological well-being and safety, nothing else can be reached. And this week's Parsha tries to do exactly that. Imagine that for a second. Whatever land that you own, at the end of the 50th year, it reverts to the original owner. The house you live in, imagine your house. It's gone. It's no longer yours because we hit the reset button. This week's Parsha says, you know something? Each person, each family has accumulated X amount of wealth, and it's enough We need to start over. We need to reset society. It is revolutionary in the truest sense of the word. And when you read the text, if you just accept it as it is, you're essentially saying, I agree. Let's blow up the society as we know it. Let's blow the economy up. And when you do that, you're choosing to do nothing. To accept that the Torah says so and that this is inevitable. Or... You can counter and say, you know something? I understand what's written, but I think our world and our society is important. And I cannot just accept 
the blowing up of it. And therefore, since I care about it so much, I'm going to take all of my skills and figure out a way to maintain the society and economy which cares for my most basic needs. Now, this can seem like an easy thing to do as a liberal Jew. I just choose to ignore the part of the Torah I don't like, and I keep the parts that I do. But this is not how Judaism works, especially with our rabbis in the Talmud. The Torah is our founding document. It cannot be changed, but it can be interpreted. The same way our Supreme Court views the Constitution. Some people may not like parts of our Constitution, but you cannot ignore it. All you can do is interpret around it. That is exactly what the rabbis of the Talmud did. Rabbi Hillel in Talmud Bavli in Tractate Gittin 36a, he notices that as the Shemitah year approaches, people stop lending money to each other. And that if, if this occurred, the economy would then grind to a halt. So he needed to make a loophole in the system, and he declares a prose bowl. Now the idea behind a prose bowl is that in Shemitah, all private debts are wiped clean. So if I go and I got a loan from Chase Bank for my new home, when Shemitah comes, I no longer have to pay my debt back. And as a result, the economy began grinding to a halt. So Hillel determined that the economy and the basic function of people's lives were so important that he needed to figure out a way to keep it going, and he comes up with an ingenious system called Pros Bowl. Essentially, the idea is that I go to the court, I hand over my private debt to the court, and they turn that private debt into a public debt. And now let me, you can call me Chase Bank now, let me collect that debt for them. And the fee of me collecting the debt is 100% of the leftover debt. Now some would look at what Hillel did and they'd be disgusted. How could this guy do this? He just figured out a way against all odds to override the Torah in order to keep what he thought was so important intact. He was confronted with a revolutionary idea and he decided that he needed to think differently in order to maintain what he considered so important. There are times when the basic foundations of what we accept in the world are challenged and turned on their heads and things are not as we thought they were. And it's at that point when we're confronted with a choice to quit your bright ride to Tahoe or to become creative enough to find a third path, to accept the world as it is or to refuse to accept how it is and to find a way to shift our world to how it ought to be. And I wonder if that is what the Torah is trying to do to us this week, to take our most basic needs, the base of Maslow's pyramid, to take all that we have worked for, threaten to take it away for the purpose of teaching us grit and resilience. When an election does not go the way you want it to, do you pack up and move to Canada? Do you bury yourself in mind-numbing TV? Or do you get up and fight for what you believe in and take the system back? We saw this effectively done with the Tea Party, and we're seeing it attempted again with the Resist Movement. On this Shabbat, when we read this radical and revolutionary text that tells us that our economy is going to be blown up by a jubilee year, we are being tested as a people. This moment that we are living in is also one of those moments when we're being tested and we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do and what kind of world do we want to create? Do we accept the state of the world as it is or do we say that not having a voice 
in such an important issue is not a value that we believe in. And we're going to be as creative as Hillel to ensure that our world is protected even when the odds can seem incredibly challenging. This Shabbat, when we slow down and sit back and examine that our seat post has collapsed, draw your vision back, be creative, look at the entire bike, because there is an answer. There is a path to the destination we dream of, but it's going to take the Hillel, which lies inside all of us, to help us guide our world there. Shabbat Shalom.